Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast, which looks at trends impacting mid-sized companies and the influencers behind their success. I'm Katie Mulligan, Associate Editor of Middle Market Growth Magazine, and I'm here again with Deborah Cohen, the magazine's Editor-in-Chief. Dev, who'd you talk to for the podcast this week? Katie, I spoke with Dennis O'Sullivan by phone from Washington, D.C. Dennis uh, provides financial planning services to company founders, but he's also very involved with the tech startup scene in the Washington area, and particularly in his role as a board member with ACG National Capital. He's been um, involved in conferences that uh, shine a spotlight on emerging technologies in Washington. Yeah, I'm eager to hear what Dennis has to say. I, I don't know that uh, a lot of people associate Washington, D.C. And, and the heavy presence of government with innovative tech startups. Um, and it also doesn't necessarily seem like an area that would be rife with private equity opportunities. But it sounds like there is actually quite a bit there. Yeah, there is. And the folks that are involved in investing there are really specialized in um, government service providers, and they tend to focus in on a few particular areas of technology. Um, they really like cybersecurity and predictive analytics, and they, um, they focus a lot on those, those two areas. Great. Let's get into it. Here is Deb speaking with Dennis O'Sullivan. My guest is uh, Dennis O'Sullivan. He is a board member with ACG National Capital and very involved with the startup scene in Washington. Dennis, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. As a, as a member of the board of ACG National Capital, you have been involved with bringing a lot of these companies um, to the fore and getting them some exposure um, with ACG National Capital's innovation conferences. Um, you've done a lot with um, MITRE. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what MITRE is and how um, your chapter has worked with them to kind of bring some of these technologies into the spotlight? Sure. Uh, MITRE has been a wonderful relationship. Uh, If you're not familiar with MITRE, MITRE originally stood for MIT Research. They are a nonprofit company uh, that is based actually in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. and they do uh, research on behalf of the federal government. So uh, everything from um, cybersecurity to analytics to uh, airline security, uh, you name it, uh, MITRE is uh, very much a research organization. Uh, it's taxpayer-funded. They uh, they get no outside funding at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, MITRE is probably, arguably, the very first R&D company in Washington, D.C. Uh, they've been here since the, the mid-60s, uh, wow. and they just research. Uh, they, they do basic research and advanced technology innovation uh, across many different sectors, and their their primary focus is uh, U.S. government as a consumer, mm-hmm. but they increasingly work with um, the commercial marketplace in terms of bringing uh, new and incipient technologies to the commercial marketplace. So they're a they're a very unique organization. Uh, there's not many like them, and they uh, they've done a great job in terms of. Uh, supporting the Washington D.C. technology uh, infrastructure. So, what are what are some of the technologies that um, that MITRE has um, helped to advance? Were there some interesting examples from this year's um, National Capital um, event, uh, which was just last month, I believe, um, that you could 
speak to? Sure. So the event was the Washington Technology Showcase, uh, which I founded about four years ago. Uh, MITRE is in the second year of their sponsorship of the event. Mm -hmm. And MITRE brings a couple of things to to this event. Uh, The event itself is meant to brand Washington, D.C. as a technology hub. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't have the proper reputation. Uh, We don't have the reputation we deserve in that respect. So that's what the uh, the showcase is all about. So MITRE brought a couple of things when they signed on as the primary sponsor a couple of years ago. First of all, they bring beautiful conference facilities, um, which uh, we, we all enjoyed. Second of all, they bring the best and brightest minds to the conference in terms of choosing the companies and choosing the technologies that present. So the WTS is really just about companies standing up and telling the world about their technologies, Mm -hmm. uh, what they're doing that's new and different, and how they're solving difficult problems. Uh, If you can think about it, ACG, especially ACG National Capital, primarily finance people like myself. So we were not in a great position to be choosing these companies uh, to to vet them and to put them up on stage. Really, they were companies were going up on the stage were more about our personal relationships. So enter MITRE and MITRE can has the resources and the the depth to choose the best companies to represent Washington at the showcase. Give uh, give an example of one or two of the most interesting um, new technologies that you um, that you saw this year. Uh, okay, I had a lot of favorites. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorites was Planet Risk, and uh, so the the advent of predictive analytics is something we've been hearing a lot about. Um, you know, we, we've heard about consumer analytics where you can look at a Facebook and say what kind of uh, meal a person wants to buy. Right. Now, predictive analytics are about uh, predicting, of course, the, the future, what's going to happen in terms of national security. Um, and uh, so Planet Risk, which is uh, run by a friend of mine named uh, Mark Dumas, <laughs> is all about using data from many sources, including national security data, mm-hmm. social media data, consumer data, and predicting uh, incidents uh, around the planet at, at the behest of their commercial uh, client base. So if you are Coca-Cola, uh, what are the potential risks to your supply chain, to uh, consumer uh, purchases of your product, where are the hot spots around the world that you can deploy resources to uh, to perhaps uh, mitigate an event. So uh, Planet Risk does that. I, I probably butchered a little bit uh, uh, if Mark hears this podcast, but uh, <laughs> basically that's what predictive analytics is. Um, we had uh, we had all sorts of different companies. Uh, we had um, one company I thought very in, was very interesting, Definitive uh, uh, Analytics. Uh, definitive, definitive, sorry, yeah. uh, is a company that uses, again, analytics Mm -hmm. to help companies make decisions around the board table. And it takes polls of various stakeholders around an organization and helps them um, rank and uh, prioritize uh, criteria for a particular decision or particular business process. So like crowdsourcing? Like they they crowdsource basically? No, no, it's not crowdsourcing. It's uh, much smaller than that. You might have 12 people on a board if you've ever been on a board, 12 mm-hmm. people with 12 opinions and mm-hmm. 12 uh, priorities, um, trying to get everybody to uh, rank and prioritize uh, their particular um, uh, thoughts around an agenda item. 
very, very difficult. So Definitive uses uh, uh, analytics to come up with the best solution among, you know, a smaller group of people, a management suite or a board. Very interesting. I thought that one was was interesting. Dennis, what is the scene like in Washington um, with technology and innovation? How, how has it changed in the last five or ten years? We've had a uh, we've developed a very robust technology and innovation culture here in Washington, particularly around cyber and national security. But we've also had quite a few uh, what we call accelerators uh, start here in terms of. Uh, growing small companies, especially that companies that have technical founders and helping them scale and grow into either large acquisition targets or potentially even uh, initial public offerings. Can you um, can you talk about a few of those accelerators and maybe one or two examples of companies that have been fostered to either go public or uh, get bought by a bigger um, entity? Sure. Uh, there's no shortage of examples, but uh, I would start with uh, Mach 37, which is uh, Center for Innovation Technology uh, here in Virginia, uh, their uh, cybersecurity accelerator. And that was founded to work with technical founders to give them a little bit of money, but more important, a lot of practice and a lot of practical experience uh, in terms of working with exper- uh, with uh, investors and mm-hmm. customers. Right. So one of the unique things about Washington is that we have uh, the world's largest consumer and buyer of technology services, which of course is the federal <laughs> government. So, um, teaching or early stage companies and mid stage companies, I would say, to uh, access the federal government market and use that client to polish and refine their services and products for the larger commercial market is one of the unique characteristics of uh, Washington, D.C. Yeah, talk about that uh, a little bit. That's really interesting. I mean, the federal government, um, I think a lot of uh, small to mid-sized companies are really afraid of um, of that process because they it's an unknown and they, um, they realize that there's a lot of hurdles that they have to jump through. Um, what are some of the ways that um, that companies in the D.C. area are fostered to kind of get over that hurdle and get familiar with the federal government? It is it is difficult to break into the federal government. There's no question about that. It's a, a frustrating process often. But once you're in, it is, it's a wonderful thing to be able to display your technology and your service offerings to the larger community. The best way to get in, I always think, is to have some of your founders come directly from the government. So mm-hmm. just about every company that I can think of that has successfully worked uh, with the federal government, the founder or one of the co-founders uh, worked for the government at some point. Uh, oftentimes uh, military, but you know we know examples. Uh, one great example is uh, Morgan Franklin, which is a big IT company here in Washington. Mm-hmm. The founders came right out of uh, White House Communications Office. So wow. uh, we have no shortage of those examples uh, around the Beltway. And if you don't have federal government in your background, it's pretty difficult to break in because you don't have the relationships. But if you know the territory pretty well and you know the procurement and contracting mm-hmm. process, uh, working with the government is it's a slow way to build your company, but it's pretty steady because the government pays the bills on time 
and they are uh, voracious buyers, at least right now, of uh, technology services and products. Yeah. So you mentioned cyber and um, a few other areas. What are what are some of the hottest areas in the Beltway for um, technology in terms of uh, sectors? Um, cyber is probably getting the most publicity right now. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, every time there's a major breach, uh, like the Equifax uh, incident a couple months ago, uh, valuations rise and mm-hmm. venture funding finds, it way, finds its way into the latest uh, and greatest cyber companies. So cyber is uh, a, a very big deal, but I would say uh, analytics uh, has more uh, is a bigger sector. Uh, or what we would call big data, or uh, increasingly mm-hmm. artificial intelligence. Uh, big data and analytics is probably larger and deeper in Washington than even cyber. Uh, cyber is a little bit narrow. Um, and then, of course, you see the merging of the two. Cyber uh, and analytics are increasingly becoming one and the same in some senses, mm-hmm. some sense, uh, because cyber companies are increasingly using analytics to determine and predict um, national security incidents and cybersecurity incidents. Can you talk a little bit about the model um, for funding for new and emerging technologies in the DC area and how is it different from um, other parts of the country? I mean, are there more strategic buyers or um, how, how does that work? Well, there's, there's the early stage uh, funding, which we don't have enough of in Washington. We, we only have five or six, you know, name venture funds. So okay. if you're early stage, uh, you're not completely out of luck in Washington, but one of the reasons that we've tried to build the tech showcase is to attract more investors. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, probably a third of our, our attendees at last conference were investors. So we are still in the early stages of building a vibrant investor community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have more technology companies than we have investment firms. So we have to flip that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, on the exit side, uh, we have no shortage of exits. Uh, we have strategic buyers, uh, you know, the, the big government contract firms uh, around the Beltway, uh, are uh, many of which are public and have uh, public stock as their currency. Right. Uh, and in a rising stock market, they're they're flush, so they're making a lot of acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an increasing number of private equity firms showing up who are looking at making acquisitions uh, either as platforms or as bolt-ons. Mm-hmm. The, the private equity um, track record around Washington for picking up government services firms is frankly not been very good. Huh. Uh, government uh, services firms are a different animal, and a lot of the PE firms don't understand that. But increasingly, the private equity firms are shying away from the government services firms and going after the pure technology companies as uh, bolt-ons to existing platforms. And there's more awareness um, growing, right, as a result of what you're doing and, and some other types of events, similar events? Yeah, I mean, we try to get as many PE folks in the room as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There is growing awareness. I think private equity has always had the Washington, D.C. area on its uh, radar. Um, but I think private equity itself has become a lot more strategic and less financially focused right. in this area. Um, part of that is the experience over the last five years with sequestration in the Washington market, where a lot of big government firms lost their contracts and could not meet the, um, the debt service 
from their their private equity acquisition. So we have a little bit of that in the background. So private equity firms have increasingly focused on companies that have a particular technology capability uh, or a particular client base that they can um, they can bolt on to existing companies that they own in their port- within their portfolio. So does private equity view um, startups or midsize you know growth companies that have um, that are primarily doing work for the government as a negative because of sequestration and all the volatility around the budget? So the private equity firms that did not know the government market have have left town with their tails between their legs because they didn't (laughs) understand the market. We've got probably about 20 private equity firms in Washington who only do government services Mm -hmm. companies, and they understand the market, and they're doing deals. But it is a specialty. um, When you're talking about, excuse me, when you're talking about government services firms, it is a specialty market, and you have to know what you're doing. You have to understand the language. Uh, everything about government uh, services is different than the commercial market, and that's that. You can't just look at the bottom line and say, "Well, they have 15% operating margins. Right. Why don't we buy them?" Um, and and we'll find some synergies. It, it works that way in the commercial market. It does not work that way in the uh, in the government services market. So um, I think the the private equity firms that did one or two deals and did not do well. Uh, which was the majority of them, hmm. uh, have left town or aren't really uh, active in that market. The private equity firms that knew what they were doing or specialized or, in some cases, uniquely focused on government services firms uh, are doing extremely well because they know where the uh, they know where the landmines are, but they know where the value is as well. Interesting. What do you think investors would be surprised to find out about the startup, uh, the growth scene in the D.C.? area? Uh, well, I think the secret's out a little bit uh, that we're not just government, that we have every sort of company out here that you can imagine. Uh, we're very, very diverse. We have a lot of uh, software companies of, of every of every type. Mm-hmm. We have uh, infrastructure companies. We have alternative energy. We have uh, fintech. We've, we've got a little bit of everything. We're probably not probably only a dominant player in cyber. Right. And uh, you could probably argue in national security at large, but uh, we've, you know, the analytics is very strong, but we've, we've got a lot of different companies uh, here. We, we've got a very good uh, employee base uh, mm-hmm. of, of engineers, particularly young engineers. So it's, and it's a great place to live. So, uh, you know, I, I spend most of my career in Silicon Valley, and the biggest problem with companies out there is that you can't pay engineers enough to live there. It's mm-hmm. just not possible. Right. Uh, it's it, you have a much more reasonable cost of living in Washington, and uh, so I think I think the uh, the investment community at, in lar- at large is coming around to the fact that there's there's great companies of all sorts here in Washington, and it's not just government. Thanks very much, Dennis. Um, appreciate your taking the time to, uh, to talk to us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. Subscribe to us in the iTunes store where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help other listeners find out about us. After you've rated the show, head over to our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more stories about successful mid-sized companies and trends in middle market M&A.